Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 22nd. It is four minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So yesterday, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, she announced the development of, quote, media literacy tools. And this is aimed to teach kindergartners through 12th graders in the Empire State how to spot conspiracy theories and hate. <laughs> what what age group of kids are we talking about here? Kindergartners through 12th grade. Um, here's an idea. How about we just teach the kids how to read and write and do math? Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe learn and understand American history. Just, you know, kind of the basic stuff that we all used to do in public school because I don't think New York is exactly turning them out at breakneck speed in terms of, you know, Mensa members and uh, high IQ society. I mean, there are a lot of very, very underachieving kids in New York public schools, and this is another example of why. Okay, well, let's listen to her announcement. This is what she had to say. Today I'm directing the Director of Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services to develop media literacy tools for K through 12 in our public schools. This will teach students and even teachers to help understand how to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, Mm -hmm. disinformation and online hate. Start talking about what we're seeing out there. Give the teachers the tools they need to help these conversations in school. And by teaching younger New Yorkers about how to discern between digital fact and digital fiction, we can better inoculate them from hatred and the spread of it and help prepare them for a very fast-moving and often confusing world. Inoculate or indoctrinate? Well, this is definitely absolutely not the uh, 100% not the role of the government. It's not the job of the government. The job of the government is to educate you on things you will need in a day-to-day basis. What is truth and what is fiction and what is right and what is wrong when it comes to media is totally on the person themselves and what they consume. It's absolutely not the role of the government to be doing that, and yet the government is doing absolutely everything it appears but the things they're supposed to be doing when it comes to education kids again like basic skills necessary to enter the world and get a job and be a productive member of society doesn't this sound very much like a ministry of truth oh absolutely for the public schools but that's what very this dystopian. is dystopian that's what this is about casey they are an indoctrination factory yeah and their goal is to be able to mind manipulate as many people as possible and it's this is I mean, think about it. If you get someone and this is why there's so many stupid, younger, liberal, super liberal people, because the very early portion of their existence is all about being controlled by super liberal people who want you to think a certain way. And if you're in that state, wouldn't you be pulling your kids out of public schools? Well, they like look at that. but look at what goes on here, Casey. And I think California just said they're going to be doing the same thing. But even look at what goes on here. Okay, so let's take Org Day was yesterday, mm-hmm. and Org Day from the Flanders boys, Rod and Todd, the Rod Bray, the pro tem of the Senate, and Todd Houston, the Speaker of the House. The Org Day from the Flanders boys, their signature focus it appears this year is going to be getting kids to show back up to school and mm-hmm. kids being able to read and write more proficiently. Well, GK 
Casey. Just I'm old enough to remember two years ago <laughs> when they said, you don't need to come to school. Mm-hmm. Showing up to school doesn't matter at all. And they said it with a straight face, which was, of course, a lie. But now they act surprised that kids don't want to come to school anymore because you, the government, told them they didn't need to come to school. Oh, and you have DEI officers and all these other things that don't matter in these public schools, and yet you act surprised that you, you that these children cannot read and write. Casey, you know my other job. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of uh, younger people who uh, have part-time jobs at the facility at which I work, and I love to talk to them about, because many of them are high school age, what they're learning and what they're doing in the public school. And mm-hmm. one of the kids I have whose parents have done a phenomenal job raising him, and he totally knows what's going on, and he totally knows how to see through all the bull crap. He told me in his English class that he has not, he is a, I think he's a, he's either a junior or senior, I can't remember which one, but he said he has not done grammar in his English class since his freshman year. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, What are no. they doing in there? They're, They're writing essays? It, it is. It's that, and it's these book reports, and mm-hmm. he said these essays and these book reports are totally slanted and geared towards indoctrinating mm-hmm. these kids on social justice and DEI and this liberal bullcrap. Now, yeah. he's smart enough because his parents have raised him right to see through this and be able to know what's going on so he doesn't get manipulated. So, well, how do you handle this? He goes, I just write the stuff they want me to write so I get the grade. And He's then just I, writing it for the grade. But think about how it's many kids yeah. whose parents aren't intric- intricately involved in their education mm-hmm. are not smart enough to see through, so have no idea what they're doing, and they aren't just doing it to check a box on a piece of paper. English class, Casey, mm-hmm. English class, and this kid is telling me in two or three years they have not done any grammar or sentence construction or anything like that. It's all about these reports that are designed to get you thinking a specific or certain way in English. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned Org Day. Suzanne Crouch, the president of the Indiana Senate, she released a video yesterday explaining what she does. Hi, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. We just had Org Day, or Organization Day, here in the General Assembly uh, for the 123rd session. And how that is operating is that we have two years that comprise a session. So last year was the, or this year, excuse me, was the long budget session, and then in 2024 to be the short session. And so that comprises the 123rd session. Really a ceremonial day where the senators come together, do some organization business. We'll be back January 8th uh, with bills that will impact the future of Indiana. Stay tuned and happy Thanksgiving. Why is she so far off mic? Uh, I don't think she has a mic. I think she was just talking and somebody pointed a camera at her and said, go. Yeah. I didn't I didn't even see a microphone in the. No, but she sounds like she's in a wind tunnel. Well, look, it's like the bobs. What would you say that you do here type of thing? And this is why the next lieutenant governor election is going to be so important, because in a per- in Suzanne Crouch, you have someone who had a great opportunity because now you know she's super conservative now, Casey. She's very against a lot of things that Holcomb has done when it became politically expedient because she's running for governor mm-hmm. in a Republican but primary. Where was she when she was sure? Yeah, Su- Suzanne Crouch was Eric Holcomb's biggest cheerleader for the better part of six years until that's why we called her Silent Suzanne. She mm-hmm. sat silently while Holcomb raised the taxes and shut the state down and tried to put you in jail for not wearing a mask and had a meet and greet with a domestic terrorist and you know all, all the other things. And 
if the, you had had a lieutenant governor in that position who was actually a liberty and freedom-minded person, you could have maybe not stopped, who knows, but you could have at least had someone with a bully pulpit to speak out against these things that so harmed and continue to harm the people of the state of Indiana. It is 12 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hey, did you see where your president went yesterday, last no. night? Yeah, uh, they took off. They went to Nantucket. Oh! Biden's staying at a $34 million, 13-acre beachfront uh-huh. compound. That's It's not his house. No, it's not his house. It's a billionaire friend of his. See, okay, boom, perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you. So this is the bull crap when people like Biden and Bernie Sanders and the rest of these people lament the rich or the rich guys or we're going to get the rich or we're hiring these IRS agents because they're not paying their fair share. Where does he go, Casey? Despite the fact that he has multiple homes himself, mm-hmm. he's going to a billionaire's house to hang out and, and chum around and spend his holiday there. Yep. These people are so full of it. They're liars and they bank on you being stupid enough to not see through this. They don't hate the billionaires. They use the billionaires as uh, as a, uh, a, a human shield to try to get you to mind manipulate you into behavior. If you wanted to get the billionaires, change the tax code. Who do you think writes the tax code, Casey? (laughs) The very people, and they've been there since the earth was young. People like Joe Biden, who have had 50 years to get the billionaires, and they never actually get the billionaires because they like the billionaires. Sure they do. It's a 13,000 square foot (laughs) home that the Bidens are going to be staying at, and they take a whole parade of people with them, lock down the entire island. By the way, Joe Biden has spent 405 days of his presidency on vacation. That's 39%. 39%. That's that's more vacation than Nigel takes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's talk about something fun. I think you'll think it's fun because you've seen them in concert before. Yeah. The Rolling Stones announced a North American tour. Um, the pre-sale goes on sale Tuesday, the 28th, 9 a.m. Yeah. And I saw a commercial for this last night. It's the Hackney Diamond Tour. The tour is being brought to you by AARP. No. Yes. <laughs> I saw the commercial last night and I thought, well, that's kind of funny. And then the dude and I had a whole conversation about it. And he said, well, sure. Mick Jagger's 80 years old. Yeah. Of course, it's sponsored by AARP. They are not coming to Indianapolis. No, they're not. Chicago Soldier Field, I think, is the closest place. Now, Mm -hmm. I got a feeling they're going to add more dates because they'll probably sell out all these places. And what else do they have to do with their time? Yep. So as long as their health allows them to continue to tour. Yeah, they uh, will be in Chicago on June 27th. I mean, a Rolling Stones concert, if you haven't been, it's pretty easy for everyone other than Mick Jagger. There's not a whole lot of handstands or moonsaults anymore. I mean, Mick Jagger puts in the work, and it's amazing for a guy his age that he continues to be able to to move around stage like that. But if you're Ron Wood or Keith Richards, it's pretty much free money at this point. Mm-hmm. It is right here on their official uh, concert page, sponsored by AARP. Why does Indy get passed <laughs> over? It seems like Indy gets passed over a lot on these big tours. Well, if Why you look at that? some of the markets they're going to, they are going to Houston, Las Vegas, Seattle, Atlanta, Chicago, Los Angeles. Those would all be called major markets, right? Yeah, but I did, okay. And Kev will be able to back me up on this because he is a musician. 
there used to be something alluring when whether it was Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones or Tom Petty or whoever went on tour and then playing these what you might consider in terms of the grand scale because you're right they're playing a team markets they're playing the biggest venues mm -hmm. period but there was something endearing about Robert Plant is going to be in your city tonight and he's going to say hello Indianapolis and he's going to change the words from go in California to go in Indianapolis and the crowd's going to cheer because you know they don't actually care about your city but for that brief moment in time you believe that the biggest rocker rock and rollers in the world cared about you for that second or two yeah it's like it's like when I saw Arctic Monkeys yeah uh, Banker's <laughs> Life uh, here in Indy mm -hmm. It was like these guys came all the way over from Sheffield, England yeah. to play for me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know they didn't really do that. But it, they and they came all the way over to play for his wallet is but, what they came well, over sure. for. Hey, take my money. But the Rolling Stones and, you know, now you two did do a concert here in 2017. And Taylor Swift is doing three nights here because I think just logistically moving Taylor Swift mm -hmm. is too much of a you know it's just too much of a hassle to do that given you know all the the drama that comes with that but it seems like more and more these artists are doing major major uh metropolitan hubs mm -hmm. and that's it and that's not how music used to be it was you were in on the action for that one night that one moment in time and it just doesn't seem to happen anymore. Well, I think you you hit it spot on, though. They'll do these major markets, and then they'll start adding some of the large markets behind. Hopefully. And then if they're up for it. It's a great show. Maybe even the medium now, or smaller markets. It's been it's been eight and a half years since I saw them, mm -hmm. so they were young. They were very young back then. They were in their early <laughs> 70s when I last saw the Rolling Stones. I'll tell you what, though. It was great. The crowd was great. Uh you know, I don't notice people's appearances, but there were, appeared to be many well-assembled members of the opposite mm -hmm. sex in the audience. Mm -hmm. It was, a, it was a, a good time was had by all. Okay, so from one icon to another, is it safe to say that our next guest would be a WIBC icon? Oh, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. On the E, this person is absolutely, of all the incredible, incredible broadcasters who have graced these airwaves in the 80-plus years we've been around, this dude absolutely on the Mount Rushmore, Jeff Pigeon. Mm -hmm. Jeff Pigeon's going to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Brothers' lives were different, for they heard another call. One went to Chicago. And the 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And Casey, I'm so excited for this next guest because he is one of the people who inspired me to want to be in radio. He was one of the people who inspired me to want to be great on the radio. And he is a WIBC and Indianapolis radio legend. The great Jeff Pigeon joins us now on the WIBC hotline. Jeff, hello. Hey, Rob. Hey, Casey. How are you guys? You know, we had Jay Baker on last hour, and I, I will say the same thing to him, or I'll ask you the same thing I asked him, which is there are so many people like me who are in radio because they grew up hearing you and wanting to be you. As you look back on your career, that's got to be one of the things that kind of stands above the rest, right? Like, you, Jeff Pigeon is responsible for Rob Kendall. Well, yeah, that's one thing that I do. You know, that's going to be in my memoirs. And, and, uh, <laughs> it, 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 listen, it's very flattering. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. You know, other people have told me that. And when you're doing, you know, when you're doing the shows and stuff, guys, you don't really think about that. 
But when you sit back after you're done with it and everything, and people start talking about you know what what it was and everything, very very flattering. So I I, I thank you very much for that. You, you know, you, obviously twenty plus years of memories of people hearing you on this radio station and all these significant events that took place that you were the voice of. You Jeff for Central Indiana for Indianapolis for the state of Indiana. Well, hell, back on 1070, you could hear it all across the country. You were a voice for those people. Well, Rob, I always tried to be a good shepherd. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. Were, were you aware of that in the moment, though, like whether it's 9-11 no, or – No, 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 absolutely not. You just try to do you know the best you can, and obviously there are a lot of ups and a lot of downs and you know, through all the events that happened. Uh, you know, through, I got there in 1980, you know, and uh, left in 2008, did the morning show for, what, like 22 years or whatever – and you don't think about it at the time. You really, really don't. It, it never went to my head. Maybe, you know, it, I should have paid a little more attention to that, but it, it never did. And you don't think about it until it's done. And again, it's very, very, very flattering. All right. So we got to ask you because I've seen photos of this and we talk about it all the time. You did the morning show with Terry Stacy uh, for all the, for many of those years. How smoke was Terry Stacy for all those years? <laughs> I mean, how did you even stand it? Well, I tell you what, you know, before she came on, I was doing, you know, like Joe Pickett and Fred Heckman would sit in there, okay? <laughs> so, now, again, don't get me wrong. These guys are iconic, yeah. you know? And then one day Terry comes bouncing in. I mean, she just came bouncing in, man. <laughs> and it was like someone poured a dose of caffeine over the entire room. <laughs> She's singing songs and crap, you know? And I'm like, what the? Where Where's this been all my life? You know? Yeah, she was a, a, an absolute, absolute wonderful person to do the show with. Is there, Absolutely. is there, like, would you look at, as you said, 28 years essentially on WIBC, you know, doing the morning show for for most of that time, is there a memory or two where you say, we did great radio here, and it was hard to do great radio here, and this is what I'm most proud of? I th- well, listen, you said you wanted to keep this light, so I'm going to go the other direction. Okay, perfect. It's your time, Jeff. Go for it. Okay. Just a couple of instances I was thinking of back in the days, you know, I mean, this is like the early 80s, okay, 1984, 85. Uh, Gary Todd uh, was iconic. Yeah. I mean, he was never, ever, ever beaten. Absolutely iconic. Then Bob and Tom came to town, okay? And they were slowly chipping away at that lead. And, you know, the the GMs and stuff say, hey, they're a one-trick pony. They're never going to do anything. And I'm like, I, have you heard these guys? Have you listened? And uh, so all of a sudden, they beat Gary one day, okay? And he went absolutely back bleep. Really? Right. Like he was mad that he got beat? Oh, he was steaming. Smoke <laughs> coming out of his ears, okay? So they said, hey, and you know, back then, the station was always trying to change its image a little bit. Lower the demographics. You know, we got to do, we got to mm-hmm. get those 2554s. If we don't get them, we're done. So I said, okay, great. So how are we going to do this? Well, here's our idea. Gary's going to broadcast live from a nudist colony. <laughs> what? Excuse me? <laughs> no, he's going to broadcast live from a nudist colony, and Pidge, you're going to run the board. I'm like, oh, Christ. So, so he went up to some nudist colony up north. I can't think of the name of it. Sunny Acres or whatever. Sunny, Sunnyvale. Yeah, I love I that you knew that, that Casey. <laughs> right, see, you came with that pretty quick, young lady. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know. And, and Big John Big John was up there, too, and one of my best friends ever. In he the did, he probably had a John, membership, didn't he? 
Big John was a nudist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And matter of fact, he ran. He took a he took a run at sheriff running for sheriff. <laughs> and then he, they had his picture in the star with everybody else that was running. You know, uh-huh. uh, and they're all you know Jack Cotty and those guys. They all got their uniforms on and their hats and everything. And they show a picture of Big John right next to them with his helicopter beanie. Okay, <laughs> and. And then he was coming out of the city county building one time, and a reporter <laughs> caught up with them, and they said, well, you know, we know you're running for sheriff and everything, but it's, a, it's true that uh, you're a nudist? <laughs> he said, uh, yes, I am. He said, I think even a sheriff has to have a sense of humor. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this ain't working. So anyway, so he's up there, too, and we're doing a show, and Gary's, you know, doing what he can from the nudist colony, you know, making the typical nudist colony jokes and stuff. <laughs> and uh, the program director walked into the room and said, uh, well, Pidge, uh, how do you uh, how do you think the broadcast is going? <laughs> and I said, not good. <laughs> I said, you see these phones over here, all those lights? They're not calling them to saying they're they're enjoying the show. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, let's look. Let's let it run for just a little longer and see what happens. All right, fine. And then Gary does a joke about a bicycle seat in a nudist colony. Oh, okay, no. So you, know, you know where that's going, okay? And and the program director, the program, uh, the program director, I still laugh when I think like that. Pull the plug. Pull the plug right now. I, said, I can't. I said, I can't pull the plug. I don't know. Take the volume down. Take it down right now. Take it down. Take it down. And I said, oh, go talk to engineering and have them pull the plug. I, don't, I can't do this. Todd's going to kill me. Okay? So he, anyway, it went. It was horrible. And uh, he came back to the station, and, of course, everybody sat down and talked. And his, you know what his reaction was? He what? Said, he said, bleep them if they can't take a joke. That was it. <laughs> Casey, we got a minute or so here left with the great Jeff Pigeon. Go. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You're doing the voices here on the uh, on the phone call. I'm just wondering, do you miss being on the air every day, or are you completely enjoying your time away? Uh, Casey, I you know I loved it. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. So many opportunities. Blessed, very, very blessed. But honestly, yeah. I don't miss it at all. Yeah, really. You know, I, I still, I still do a little voice work. You know, I'll do a Joe Pesci from time to time. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, come and talk to you for a little bit. But uh, it's no, I don't, uh, I don't miss it at all. Jet- I, and, and that's odd, isn't it? I mean, so many yeah. people have asked me that, and I don't. It's really strange. Well, I, uh, look, I miss you. So it's it breaks my heart you don't miss it because I miss you because you do a much better job than I would. Uh, oh, than I do. Rob, stop. <laughs> Come on now. I've known you since you were a little kid. You've yeah. always been very, very talented, and yeah, I, I knew you were going somewhere, man. You're, you're the best, Jeff Pigeon. Thank you for all the memories, man. We uh, I'll tell you what, Casey, maybe mm-hmm. over a holiday here, you know, in December, we'll have Jeff back on when we can have some more time because, mm-hmm. man, I just I love these stories. They're such a great part of my childhood. So many people grew up listening to you and yeah. loving you guys jeff you're the absolute best man have a great thanksgiving thank you very much same thing to you guys see you bye it's kennelly casey on 93 wibc 11:35. it's kennelly casey on 93 wibc shall we talk politics yeah. i mean it is thanksgiving coming up a new survey showing what topics are off limits around the Thanksgiving dinner table. Only about 12% of families expect to have a row-free national holiday. So some of the topics that uh, are dangerous, family issues, obviously politics. Yeah. You've also got money, children, 
parenting, religion. What are you supposed to talk about? Uh, the weather and sports are always safe. Boy. So, five words that ruin Thanksgiving. I seek Who's coming ca- to dinner? Casey, you know this. I seek chaos. I yeah. seek calamity. Mm-hmm. I seek destruction. And this would never work at a gathering if I had to go somewhere where the people didn't all get along. Can I, you, would, I would goad it. I would goad people into being miserable. Can you think of five words that would ruin your Thanksgiving dinner? Like, uh, my Band-Aid fell off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or, what? or when is the baby due? <laughs> oh, that'll get them going. How about the cops just pulled up? <laughs> uh, the turkey's still frozen. Do you have some audio of some sort? Something you I wanted do. us to hear? I wanted to get everybody prepared for their Thanksgiving oh. dinner. Here's some instruction on how to speak Bidenese. Let's jump in and start with something simple. One syllable, prekt, as in... I would go to the Niners game, but we live in San Francisco and I need to stay home to protect my family. Now let's see Joe use this in context. God bless you all and may God protect our troops. <laughs> wow. I never thought to use it that way. <laughs> all right, for this next one, we're going to the other side of the spectrum. We started with one syllable. This one, I, I don't even know how many there are. It's kind of fuzzy. Dedo si reshek coming out. Dedo si reshek coming out. You got to see this in context to understand what Joe is talking about. Recession's coming. They've been Wall Street today, so they don't see recession coming now. You know, when he puts it in simple terms like that, it just makes me feel so good about the economy. <laughs> I think that had to do with the economy. This next one is a personal favorite of mine. I use it all the time with the kids. Uh, Fraggy Fice. Fraggy Fice. As in, Disney buying that franchise turned it into a real Fraggy Fice. The most diverse fighting fights. We haven't focused much on proper nouns, but I have a couple here I want to share with you. First is a doozy. You may want to practice it a few times before using it publicly in, like, say, a toast or a eulogy. Bipar sinfuna lakshana gamwich. Bipar sinfuna lakshana gamwich. Now let's see Joe Biden deliver this at full speed like a master. When I sign the bipar sinfuna lakshana gamwich. This next one is great because it's just so patriotic, but also has a very unique ending. It ends with a syllable that is just simply one consonant, a W, and you have to pronounce it as whoa. So the word is as a footima, a footy foot, whoa. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. As a foot him, uh, foot, foot. I mean, that's just brilliant. <laughs> Lastly, we arrive at a name and specifically a traditional Bidenese pronunciation. The name is Joan Shingeng Shu Shimwims were Pasfa Sheng Aka Kowawa. Again, that pause is deliberate. It's a part of Bidenese, something that you don't even realize, but long pauses make different meanings in these words. So let me say it one more time. Joan Shingeng Shu Shimwims were Pasfa Sheng Aka Kowawa. Now watch this. This is a masterclass. The group included groundbreaking Asian Americans like Vera Wang and 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 Joan Shingang Shanga Koawa. I think I pronounced it correctly. There you go. There's your lesson in Bidenese. You can practice those around the Thanksgiving dinner table this year. All right, Casey. Yeah. 
When we come back, mm-hmm. we got to put a bow on this week. Mm-hmm. And by put a bow on this week, I mean we're not here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're not here Friday. Yeah. So we're going to go out the door in style. Yeah. And I could think of only one person. Who's going to put a big smile on your face like that? Who would rise to the level necessary mm-hmm. to send this show out in style. And that is, he's beloved by everyone, mm-hmm. the great Brian Baker. He's a peach. And kudos to Noah mm-hmm. going out with Rick Springfield and Bruce. (laughs) All right, Brian Baker joins us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And you know, Casey, we struggled on, since it's our final show this week, mm-hmm. how to send people into the extended Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And I thought, well, gosh darn it, Casey. Yeah. We got to do, we got to, we got to do this segment with things that we're thankful for. Yeah. Things we're very grateful for to have in our lives and around us. And boy, when I think about what I'm thankful for and what I'm grateful for, or people that I'm thankful and grateful for, you know, there's my wife and my mm-hmm. kid and, mm-hmm. you know, my family. But on top of that, a guy who's been like family for me over the many, many years here at WIBC, you know him, you love him. WIBC's own Brian Baker joins mm-hmm. us now. Brian, hello. Well, now, see, Rob, you completely threw off my chi, my, my whole performance aspect here, because I was going to come out of the gate with something snarky, and then you go and say something really heartfelt and nice, and thank you. That you weren't really expecting that, were you? He totally no. flipped the script on you. No, I, I wasn't. I was I was waiting to, to jump in and just say something really snarky. I'll just file that away for the next time I'm on the show. No big deal. How are you? What are you doing? <laughs> What's going on with you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Let me tell you, it has been a whirlwind of fun for me lately, man. I'm telling you, I have been getting all of the exciting uh, work and examinations and processes and operations done on my body because I've been having these weird things going on with my health. And I thought to myself, you know, Bri, you work hard. You work hard for your family. uh, you're, You're disciplined. You ought to treat yourself every now and then. So I got me one of them uh, colonoscopy, oh, endoscopy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Rob, let's see. Wait, you, Rob, you're 40, so you probably oh, have no, to. No, wait, 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 wait. No, no, I'm not 40 yet. I still got a month and a half to go, brother. Don't <laughs> stick me with that yet. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, my gosh. No, okay, so you haven't even had the the, uh, the pleasure of going and getting your prostate checked yet, have no, you? No, not yet. They said that's coming soon, but not yet. Yeah, be prepared. Just uh, you know, tip to the to the wise here. Be prepared after your uh, examination to head out to your car and and just need to cry a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Casey, you just had one of these, right? I did have a colonoscopy, Brian, and I have to tell you, my nurse, as they were wheeling me into the procedure room, asked me what I did for a living, and I told her, and you know what she said? Oh, Rob Kendall, I love him. I listen to him every day. And I said, yeah, hi, I'm Casey. Well, you definitely, uh, you, you take the cake on that one then, Casey, because um, the nurse, uh, the admitting nurse that, that checks me in is actually my neighbor. She lived across the street from me. So, um, you know, so that was a little uncomfortable. But, uh, yeah, there's something about being uh, being famous uh, there in, in your city. Every time you go and you got to get any kind of a 
compromising examination done. You're always got that fear that somebody's going to say, aren't you such and such? And then, you know, did you sign an autograph before you passed out from the propofol? Well, did they get to the bottom of things, Brian? <laughs> yes, they did. Here's the thing, and and, uh, and Rob, this will surprise you. Yes. Um, it turns out I have, uh, have GERD and severe acid oh, reflux. No. And apparently, um, I, like drinking twenty to twenty-five diet cokes per day isn't good for your system. Well, Go we, figure. we have you and I have been. Brian Baker is our guest, by the way. You, you and I have been having this conversation for basically six or seven years now. Uh, by the way, the first time I ever met Brian, uh, I and I don't even. I guess I was filling in for Tony, maybe, and Brian was Tony's yes. producer. And Brian just started talking about Rue McClanahan's cleavage, and I said, "We're gonna get along. <laughs> just we're gonna get along." Just just fine. Um, yes, I've been telling you this for years, Brian, and I'm guilty of this too. It's going to happen to me. Those colas are just terrible for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not uh, good at all. And, and actually, I, I went to see my dentist because <laughs> I was having a lot of uh, pain with my teeth, and I figured that I, I had a cavity. And it's not that at all. It's that the acid from the soda has just messed up my teeth so bad and worn off all the enamel. <laughs> they're telling me now, and, and this is the thing. It was like I was never worried about getting cancer or them, you know, cutting me open someday and just finding my intestines lined with aspartame. It was when the doctor told me, or when the dentist uh, told me, listen. If you don't quit this and and uh, this continues to progress, you're going to wind up with about seventy five thousand dollars worth of uh, of dental surgery. Wow! That was the point that I decided. Well, maybe it's time to quit. Yeah. Uh, so, have you given up the colas? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you ba- are you back to work, Brian? Brian Baker's our guest. The the writers' strike is over. The actors' strike is over. Are you working yet? What's going on? No, I don't think I'll probably be back on a set until after the first of the year. There is some stuff filming down here. As a matter of fact, Clint Eastwood is uh, in Savannah, Georgia. He's filming a movie. I got a feeling this might be his last one. I don't know. I mean, the man's 94, but he's still uh, he's still cranking them out. But, um, yeah, some things are back in production, but for the most part, I don't think anybody's really going to be back uh, working full-time until after the first of the year, and we kind of expected that. Um, what's a little bit nerve-wracking is this um, this contract that uh, the nanny, Fran Dresser, she's the uh, president of SAC, she's been out <laughs> celebrating, and as they usually do, they try and tell their members that they got us this really great deal. And, in fact, it's really not that great of an arrangement at all. There's not enough protections for AI and quite frankly, I mean, they probably couldn't do much anyway. You're not going to stop tech startups and companies that aren't under the jurisdiction of, of SAG and, and uh, IATSE to, uh, to just go, okay, well, whatever they decide, we're just going to ignore that and, uh, and not take our shot at making money and making profits. Right. So, I mean, it, it was bound to happen. But, yeah, it's, um, it's not a good contract. And uh, the fact is that we haven't even voted on it yet. Uh, the voting just began, but uh, we haven't ratified it yet. So it's kind of a strange thing that we've got shows that are back in uh, in action now. The strike's been called off, but the contract hasn't been finalized. And there's a lot of people that are really upset about it and are saying, listen, I'm not going to vote to approve this. So this might be one of the few times that SAG put one of these deals in front of oh, their wow. members, and the SAG members said, no, nope, we're not taking it. Oh, wow. So, again, Brian Baker is our guest. You obviously made your living. Most people know this who listen to the station, but for those who don't, as a stuntman uh, in, in movies and in commercials and TV shows, 
I was wa- I was thinking of you the other day because I was watching a documentary on Home Alone, and they were talking with the guys who were the actual stuntmen for Pesci and Daniel Stern and and Macaulay Culkin, and they were talking about how hard that movie was to do because they did those stunts, you know, where they're falling down the stairs and everything else straight through, and these stunt guys are like maniacs, Brian. They're chuckling about it like, oh yeah, it was so much fun. I couldn't wait to get up and do it again. And Christopher Columbus, as he was the director, is like, man, every time I was like, I hope no one died during that one. What is wrong with you? people that you enjoy inflicting <laughs> harm on yourself you know what actually it, it's really funny rob there is a a cut off like all the stunt guys that came along after the the 1990s it's not that there is no risk or or that you're not you know putting yourself in harm's way but stunts have really changed dramatically over the last i would say 20 years or so and it's gotten much much safer the equipment's gotten better the uh, the methods and the tricks that they use to pull things off have gotten better those old timers man from the the 50s and the 60s and especially the 70s and 80s like they just did the stuff and they didn't care there was no technique at all there was just take a quick swig of whiskey maybe pop a pain pill and then just <laughs> dive out and do it and those guys are nuts and i i just i was at uh, Target last week, and I ran into a stuntman by the name of Charlie Pichern. And uh, people, I'm, I'm sure, have never heard that name, but you should look this guy up. He was one of Burt Reynolds' stunt doubles. Oh, yeah. The guy, and he doubled uh, Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon 3. The guy is an amazing stunt person, and he has survived falls that went wrong, getting hit by cars at 45 miles per hour without any kind of pads at all. I mean, the man has just. I, I don't understand. You've got these guys in the business that are totally indestructible. Me, I mean, if I'm just doing a, a basic fight sequence, I know I'm walking away with at least some bumps and bruises. These guys just do it like it's nothing. Uh, Brian Baker, I guess. Hey, before we let you go, are you coming up here for December? Is that right? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, uh, Georgia is uh, kicking me out for a, a period of two weeks. They, they want me gone, and so I'm, I'm coming home to visit the family. And uh, you best believe that I'll be coming by WIBC to visit everybody because, uh, you know, I, I'm told that I'm still welcome there. So uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> they don't make you feel welcome, but you're told you're still welcome. <laughs> hey, Brian, uh, you know, Rob is going to be taking a lot of time off. While you're here, you want to come in and host yeah! the show with me? Heck yeah, I do. Okay, good. Still, it's, now, it's still in uh, on Monument Circle, right? <laughs> yes. Everyone's coming to Monument Circle now, Brian. There's never been more people on this floor than ever before. And boy, howdy, we're just glad to have them here. And we can hear about the story how you offended somebody by calling them sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was wondering. I figured we probably weren't going to get into that on the air. But uh, yeah, I, maybe we'll, I'll clean that story up and hey, tell it when I'm, hey, uh, I'm, when I'm on with you. Before we let you go, you know I never have you on without making you tell this story and it's totally timely now because she's ruining professional football for everyone you had a run-in with Taylor Swift and it's one of the greatest stories in the history of ever I have and and uh well okay so I'll tell this story real quick what happened was I was uh doing a a stunt at uh uh, the iHeart Media Awards one year, and it was around the time that Katy Perry had done a performance and had these these two giant uh, shark costume mm-hmm. guys on stage. Left shark was was sort of he was having his moment. He was yeah. having his William Hung moment. So anyhow, they, William they wanted me to dress up in this shark outfit and uh, and do a little bit with Ian Ziering since he's uh, the Sharknado dude, right? Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're having rehearsals and everything, and uh, it's, uh, it's the day of the show. We're getting everything all done up, and, and all of the, uh, the stunt people and the crew people and the stars, with the exception of Madonna, they all sort of mingle together in the same area, and they've got the craft services table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I go over there and get myself a little snack. Taylor Swift is there. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even talk to her because, uh, you know, who cares? But uh, her security came up to me afterwards and, and let me know that I was uh, standing too close to her and that I needed to, to keep my distance. Right? Oh, so you're just trying to get some cheese and crackers and they come up to you and they say you're standing too close to Taylor Swift. Yes, that, yes. So, but the kicker is later on I'm dressed up in the left shark outfit and she wanted to get a photograph with me. So... Did you say, no, we can't stand that close? <laughs> no, I went in and took a photo, I thought, because this is going to be a great story for years to come. Mm-hmm. But, uh, my buddy, who's a uh, set medic, just did uh, a music video with her not too long ago, and that was quite the fiasco, and she wound up getting hurt, and the set medics, uh, him as a set medic, her security would not allow him to touch her to even put an ice pack on her knee. Hmm. That's how crazy these people are. Oh, Brian, you are the best. I love it so much, man. I'm so glad you're doing well and get feeling better, and we'll see you here in, a, in about a month, man. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. I love you guys, and uh, yeah, have a good one with your families. Yeah. It is Brian Baker. Thanks so much for joining us, and that's going to do it for us today, Rob. We out for the holiday weekend. See ya! Thank you, Rob, and thank you, Kevin, and mostly thank you for listening to us. This has been Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Happy Thanksgiving.